church this morning. So we're believing God's using him for great, to do great things, uh, to bless and help that congregation. And, uh, but I just so appreciate, I've gotten good reports about Wednesday night service and what he taught about miracles. And I don't know if he's here tonight, but uh, I know that uh, Brother uh, Kamal said that he led a brother to the Lord after the service was over. And uh, so we in, we're just so thrilled about that and uh, looking forward to following up with him. You don't want to say if you're a new believer or even uh, just a believer but new to the church, we encourage you uh, to uh, pray about uh, registering for our new members class. Doing that would not indicate to us at all that you want to join, but it is an opportunity for us. We have it seasonally. Uh, we'll have one again soon. Uh, and we just get together in, uh, in the back here for lunch, my wife and I and whoever's registered and some staff, and we just spend uh, really about two hours together uh, presenting to you some things about our church, what we believe, who we are, where we've come from, our core doctrines and beliefs, and allow you to ask any questions. And then at the end of that, uh, if you want to join, you can. You don't even do it right then. Uh, but uh, we encourage you to do that. It's kind of a, uh, we want people to know what are the next steps, amen, if you've been attending for a while. And that would be a next step. And you should res uh, see those blue cards scattered throughout the seat backs. And uh, at any time you have that on your heart, you just register for that. There's no cost to it. Uh, we have some great cooks around here. So if nothing else, you're going to get a fine free meal after church on a Sunday. And we encourage you uh, to do that. Praise God. Well, I know it's a little warm. We've got two out of three of our air conditioners running. We're just going to suffer through. I've preached in the uh, heat in India, right? In the dirt with ceiling fan. and So we're not complaining, right? And we'll get that other unit going. Something We were gone for vacation and something happened. So anyway, praise God, we'll suffer through. Suffering for Jesus this morning. Just wipe it and go on. 1 Corinthians chapter number, uh, in fact, I'm going to shed the jacket right now because I can already tell I'm going to get to preaching and I'm going to get, I'm going to get hot. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you today and we're thrilled about the word. <laughs> we are thrilled about the word. The word is our answer. It's our foundation. It is the food and fuel for our faith. It is light. It is truth. It is, and what it says and what it teaches is true and it is right. And God, we've come not to have our ears tickled, but we've come to learn. We've come to take hold. We've come to receive. Jesus, you are the word. You're the bread of life. Holy Spirit, you're right here in each believer and in this room corporately. Make the word of God alive to us. Enlighten our hearts and minds to it. Father, we thank you for all that you have for us, that you're helping uh, those that are hearing to receive and to believe and to act upon it. And certainly you're helping me to be an effective voice for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start off this morning, of course, if you've been here with us, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we've been in a series called The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood and neglected member of the Godhead. But he is just as much a person and a member of the Godhead as is God Jehovah, the Father, and is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, his begotten Son. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not a wind or an it or a cosmic thing or a feeling or a goosebump. He's a person. 
And really, it's not Jesus living in your heart. You know, Jesus has a flesh and bone body. And he's been seated at the Father's right hand in heaven for over 2,000 years, according to our calendar. Now, he is uh, in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. Amen. In that sense, Jesus is living in our heart. But it's the Holy Spirit that's come to live on the inside of you and to dwell with you. He's your helper, your teacher, your guide, your empowerer. And we need to be very, very, very intimately acquainted with the one who lives within us. We're not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. We're not ashamed of His gifts. Amen. I like one post I saw on Facebook said, if your church has a problem with the Holy Ghost, it's the church that's got the problem, not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> uh, amen. Uh, I, I want to start off today uh, talking, uh, just giving you some quotes uh, that I thought were wonderful. Brother Hagen, uh, in 1975, uh, made this statement. Uh, he said, attention must be drawn unto the power of God and the manifestations of His Spirit. For He shall manifest Himself in these last days, and you shall see a move that you have not seen. Yes, greater things shall be done, and you shall rejoice in them. That is what the Spirit is saying. That is what the Spirit is saying. For you must go on from here. For many folks have slipped back. They're not even in the place of spirituality. They're not even in the place of, man of the manifestation of my power, saith the Lord, where they have been. They've slipped back. Don't slip back. Don't turn back. Don't look back, but look ahead. And all that has been made manifest in thee shall be made manifest in thee again. Hallelujah. He goes on another place and said, You will prepare your heart by waiting, by getting quiet in my presence, sometimes even in fasting. So it shall be that these things shall be made manifest and you will not go back, but you shall go forward. As you do move forward in the things of my spirit, then greater manifestations shall be given unto you. Know this, that a greater anointing to manifest the same gift can be granted. I'll stop right there. You know, one of these, these gifts of the spirit or whatever you're gifted by God to do, you may have operated in that. But do you know there can be a greater anointing? Come on you to manifest that. It's the same gift, but a greater anointing. I like the way Dr. Jacob said, he said, whatever gift God's given you, whatever it's done through your life up to now, it could do more. Amen. It could do more. Amen. How do you know that's true of everything with God in your life? Whatever you've done with your faith up to now in your life, your faith can do more. Amen. Come on, your faith can do more. You know, one of the things I've been... Uh, thankfully faithful to do this year so far is is to stay with my fitness program and uh, I got in the gym uh, yesterday and picked up the weight that I've been doing my my first curl you know which is your bicep uh, working that muscle and I picked up what I had been what had been hard and I got up there and went man I'm, praise God so the next set I said well that's not going to work anymore and so that was a 60-pound uh, barbell. So I went up to a 70, and by the end, I was doing 80. I don't know that I've been, I'm 46 years old. I've never done 80. See, whatever my muscles have done up to now, they can do more. If you'll develop them. You know, whatever your prayer life has done for God and for you up to now, it can do more. It can do more. If you'll stay with it. If you'll work at it. Could I say this? Uh, 
no matter how sweet and wonderful your marriage is and has been, it could be better. Come on, it could be sweeter. It could be hotter. Be more passionate. All right, that went over like a wet balloon, but... Whatever relationships you've had with your children, it could be better, it could be sweeter. could be, right? I'm telling you, we've not come to the end of anything. Hallelujah. I just really like that. Know this, that a greater anointing to manifest the same gift can be granted. Hallelujah. I'm seeking that. But you know, Dr. Jacobs, he made this statement. He said, for a greater anointing to come upon you, you must be prepared. Amen. You must be prepared. Well, you know, the Lord's got us in an emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit. Well, how would we prepare ourselves? Well, you know, what is the Holy Spirit's name? What was His name again? It's okay. You know the answer. I just said it. Holy. The holy. What's that first word? Holy. Holy. That ought to tell us something. Right? Holy Spirit. One of the ways we prepare ourselves for a greater anointing to come upon us is live clean. I walked into the gym yesterday. I had one of my patriotic grunt style shirts on and I just walking in to put my bag down. And there's a, 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 a fellow there in good shape. And he said, uh, I like your T-shirt. And we just got to talking. He's a former Marine. And uh, we just got talking. He goes, how old are you? I said, 46. He said, man, you don't look 46. Well, I just, you know, uh, what I told him was, I said, well, I found out this, brother, that living for God and living clean keep you young, keep you vibrant. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But if we want, if we say we want God really moving in our life and yet we're living compromised, see, that's going to, God's not mad at us because he, he was mad at Jesus when he took our place on the cross, but we can hinder his movement in our life. If we live a, an unclean, uncompromised life. Now, this is a process, you know, we're, we're all growing in holiness. But do you know the Bible said, without holiness, no man will see the Lord? Think about that. Without holiness, no man. You know, without holiness, no church is going to see the move of God. Without holiness, no church is going to have an outpouring of the Spirit of God with any regularity and significance. So we just need to not be condemned, but we need to judge ourselves. What is he dealing with me about right now? Uh, it wasn't an all at once thing, but I, I just remember over time, I, my wife may have alluded to this kind of thing when she preached a few uh, Wednesdays ago, but over time, you know, I, I entered into the King of God. I had this big collection of secular music and secular uh, movies and stuff. And I'd pop one in, watch it, no problem. But six months later, I'd pop that same thing in and go, uh-oh, uh-oh. I can't watch that now. So I just pitched it. And every time that I got that uh-oh, when I popped one of those CDs in, well, you know, I don't have a lot of secular music around anymore at all. See, it's a progression. And we shouldn't judge one another. You know that brother I was talking to, he kind of let out, a, let out a, one of the a profanity. That didn't bother me. He's not where I'm at. You know, hey amen, we, we shouldn't judge and be critical of one another. But we should all be endeavoring to uh, be responding to God's dealings with us. 
so that we're moving forward in His time and at His pace into a greater level of consecration, dedication, and holiness. Because He's the Holy Spirit. Everything related to the Holy Ghost is a holy and sacred thing. And we should treat it that way. Amen? Amen. Let me give you some quotes from uh, uh, Dr. Lester Sumrall, someone who was mightily, mightily used of God. And, of course, he's in heaven now. But he said, it is time for this gift. Talking about what we're going to talk about today, Lord willing, the, the word of wisdom. And we'll teach you on that today. Uh, he said, it is time for this gift to function in a way that it has never functioned before in the history of the world. Well, you don't know what it is yet, but we're going to talk about it. Praise God. Then he made this statement. The gifts of the Spirit are part of the weapons of the believer's warfare to defeat the counterfeits of the devil. You see, all of these nine manifestations, they are weapons on our tool belt, you know, in our armory to have victory in this life. We need to embrace them. We need to covet them. We need to desire them. We need to hunger for them. Come on now. More than we are hungry for them today, we need to stir ourselves up, praise God, to be hungry for the gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I know many of you have been taught probably that they all passed away. I read, I paid a, I paid a lot of money for this theological book. And I had a question. I said, I want to see what this brother's got to say uh, uh, about the gifts of the Spirit. And he said, they all passed away. I paid a whole lot of money. They've got over a thousand pages to listen to this guy say, it all passed away. No, it didn't pass away. And he goes, here are the arguments for why they passed away. And I, I just didn't even have to do any further stuff. That's bunk. That's junk. That's the answer to that. It's just so sad. I don't know how many degrees he's got behind his name. How many of those books he sold. Anyway, praise God. Here's another statement Dr. Summerall made. He said, we see these gifts functioning in the early church. Just read the book of Acts. If they functioned in the early church, they should function in today's church. And they will function today if we will desire them. If we will desire them. Have you noticed how much the word desire, hunger, covet comes up when you talk about these gifts? You know, obviously the gifts of the Spirit don't manifest themselves because He wants them to. Because He wants them to. And yet they're not manifested. You know, the, the gifts of the Spirit don't come because we pray. The gifts of the Spirit are manifested because people desire them. Because they hunger for them. Hallelujah. Amen. So if there's a lack of supernatural movement of the Holy Spirit in your life, check your hunger level. Check your desire level. How fired up are you to read your Bible? How fired up are you to pray? How, how really engaged are you in praise and worship? Or are you just here waiting for that part of the service to get over with? Come on. Amen. How in love with Jesus are you really? How much of, his, of your life does He really have of you? That's a good question to ask. Then last quote here, Dr. Lester Summerall said this. He said, by harnessing these powers, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and using them the way God desires, we can change the world in which we live. Praise God. So we're here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we've read this passage, much of it, uh, many times before. For time's sake, let's just skip down to the seventh verse. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit... And of course, we know that means a shining forth, right? 
an appearing. Or, or it means a showing out. You know the Holy Ghost doesn't mind showing out for God? Uh, I, that's what Reverend Kamal, I think, ministered on, right? Hebrews 2.4. That through signs and wonders and miracles and special endowments of the Holy Ghost, God validates His message and His minister with those signs and wonders. Jesus said, if you don't want to believe me for my word's sake, just believe me for my work's sake. Because you can't deny that. You can't deny that was water. It's wine now. You can't deny He had a withered hand, but it's straight now. You can't deny that boy was dead and in his funeral. But he's alive now. Glory to God. You can't deny that. And if you're smart, you'll see those supernatural works and you go, ah, maybe I ought to listen to what this person has to say. Right? And God, what God did through Jesus, He will do through us as His body. God cares about this generation just as much as He did that generation and He will validate and confirm our message with signs and wonders. Not just the preacher, but you. Hallelujah. I was working on a treadmill and we were going to connect this new brother I met and uh, he needs Jesus in his life, but who doesn't? And uh, we were going to get together before he left and trade information and and I, I was just saying, because he told me he told me what business he was in, and I said, "Father, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out if there's a challenge, if there's difficulty in that business, and then I'm gonna pray." Yeah. And I'm gonna say, "Well," I, and I, he didn't really have a challenge in his business, but I thought I'm gonna pray and ask God to just if He fixes that, does something super. See, and God will do stuff like Amen. that to get Amen. that guy's attention. Say, "I'll make you a deal." Amen. I know you haven't accepted Jesus yet. Maybe you don't know anything about Him or the Bible. But I notice you're limping. What if this Jesus heals you right now? What if I prayed and asked him, would you come to church with me if he heals you? I mean, you ought to be going out and making this, sharing Jesus with people. Amen. And being bold about it. Yeah. Amen. Well, he didn't, he didn't really tell me to do that. He told you in the Word. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And these signs shall follow, not preachers but them who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall... You don't need a special leading. Special leadings are good. But you shouldn't be waiting on a special leading to get out there and share Jesus with the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Notice verse number 8 says 4 to 1. Now does that mean to everybody? No, it means to, to whom He wills it. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now we'll stop there. We know there's a list here of nine manifestations of the Spirit. There are three categories, right? There are gifts that uh, God uses to say something to a person or to uh, a body or a group of any size. They are the utterance gifts of the simple gift of prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Then there are what we call power gifts, gifts that perform something, gifts that accomplish something. There are three of those. The working of miracles, the gift of special faith, right? And uh, the gifts of healings. Now I know in your King James Bible it says gifts of healing, but in the Greek it's healings, both ends. Now what that ought to tell you about that is is that there's a gift of healing for every specific category of sickness. Amen. 
that makes sense to you? It's gifts of healings. I, I know ministers that have had, uh, they've had marvelous success, uh, let's say, with uh, getting deaf ears open. And lame, you know, they're deaf, they can't talk real good. Getting that, uh, they call it dumb in the Bible. That doesn't mean they're intellectual. You know what I mean, they can't talk. But they have a special anointing to get, to get them healed of that. But those same people, they, they would say through all of our years of healing ministry, if we ever had a blind eye open, I don't know it. Does that make sense? Well, it's not that God can't heal eyes. It's just that minister was given a special gift of healing in that particular area. I'm st- and you ought to start paying attention, right? In a greater way. How does God use me? Where is my anointing? Where are my specific strengths? And then begin to emphasize that. For instance, over in India on this last trip in February, I had a word of knowledge. We talked about that last Sunday, right? Supernatural insight into the mind of God. God lets you know He reveals something uh, to you about a present or past situation. Well, I had a word of knowledge that someone had a problem with their left eye. That's all I knew. So I said, someone here's got a problem with their left eye. Of course, I'm talking through an interpreter. And it took a while, but then a brother came and he was totally blind in that left eye. And we confirmed that by, you know, covering up this, the good eye and then holding up finger. And he couldn't, you know, right there. And he, he couldn't tell you what finger you're holding up. And uh, so, so you put your hand down. I just simply covered the bad eye with my hand. And I commanded the eye to open. And then I had him cover him up again. And I went like that. And he goes, one, and two, one, three, four. And went back to his chair. Amen. Now, did I do that? No. Jesus did it. But he did it through me. Then two services later in India, I'm in another village. Uh, It's a village church. Now, when I say church, they had a building. They had three concrete walls, one open to the outside, a roof and three ceiling fans. Hallelujah. That's their church. That's a nice church right in the middle of black magic territory. And uh, at the end, I I preached a message on uh, the woman with the issue of blood and was going to minister to the sick. And they brought me a guy who was totally blind. He was totally blind. They led him by the hand from the back up the middle section and up to the back. And then, you know, I'm standing like I would be here. And he got, you know, he can't see. So he's not oriented right. So I have to grab him by the shoulders and turn him this way. And if you've ever seen a totally blind man, sometimes they've got a they've got a different look in their in their eyes. Gray. It's cloudy. And uh, that's the way this man's eyes was. Well, I just simply, and Kamal was involved too, and I uh, just laid my hand and commanded those eyes to be opened and just stuck my finger up there. And he goes, one, he goes like that. I went like that. He went like that. And I went like that. And he went like that. And I went back to one. And he went back to one. He went back to his chair with nobody helping him. Praise God. Here's what I said all that. I'm starting to pay attention. Gifts of healings. There's, there's a new operation I'm beginning to notice in my life about, uh, about eyes. Yeah, okay. Today we're going to minister to your eyes. If, you, if there's anybody here has glaucoma, cataracts, blindness, problems with your eyes. How about that? Hallelujah. You know, I went for my annual eye exam after I got home from that trip a couple months later. And uh, I'd never gotten a bad report on my eyes, Ever. Ever, ever, ever. I was out ahead. He goes, man, your eyes are out ahead, but I got a bad report. Not a terrible report, but a bad report on my eyes. 
And I was bewildered by that a little bit. But I was sitting in doctor. It's, it's good to sit under your, the ministry of your spiritual father. Just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I just got a revelation. He said, you remember those miracles? How I used you in India to heal those blind men's eyes? The devil didn't like that. So he attacked you in your eyes. I thought, oh, I got it. See, now I know what to do about it. Mm-mm-mm, just use my faith in that area. But anyway, regarding these spiritual gifts where all, God wants to use all of us, we need to be paying attention. Where am I having success? What kind of movement uh, is He having in my life? Now, of course, if you're just so busy watching TV and playing games, you never spend any time with God, you're never paying attention, you probably won't have much of this. But if you'll give yourself to Him just a little bit, you'll find He's wanting to move in your life to bless others, but to bless you too. So we see here there is a gift called the Word of Wisdom. Let me give you the definition of that gift. This is called the Word of Wisdom. It's not called the Gift of Wisdom. See, if you call it the Gift of Wisdom, do you see how you could get confused? Go over to the book of James chapter 1. Hallelujah. And and really, there's a fallacy or a confusion associated with almost every one of these nine gifts. Right? So, uh, like with the Word of Knowledge... People want to call that the gift of knowledge and thinking, well, that's good at doing, you know, if you're really good at doing crossword puzzles or you test really well or you have a high IQ. Does that rain? Hallelujah. Okay. Praise God. It's just rain. Uh, well, then they call that you've got the gift of knowledge, but that's not right. Come back this way. Hallelujah. It's the word of knowledge. Well, this is the word of wisdom, not the gift of wisdom. Do you remember it said, for to one is given the word of wisdom? Well, look at this. In James chapter 1, verse number 5, it says, if who? If any of you, would that apply to all of us? This would apply to all of us. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally or generously and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. See, there is a divine, supernatural wisdom that is available to every believer. And all you got to do, Brother Rex, is ask Him for it. Ask Him for it. So this is available to all. Therefore, the word of wisdom can't be this. Because it is not promised to all. Anytime we need wisdom, we have a right, according to this verse, to go to God. Amen. The Bible says get wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the chief or principal thing. And all you're getting, get wisdom. But this word of wisdom is not uh, the kind of wisdom that we acquire with education or time or age or experience. That's a wisdom. That's why we ought to, just for the very fact that someone in our life has been on the planet longer than you, they've, they've attained some wisdom you ought to glean from. Just because they've been around longer. But this is also not the wisdom we acquire by even the study of God's Word. There there is a wisdom. God's Word is wise, right? And we attain a wisdom in our life as we renew our minds to the Word of God. As we feed upon God's Word, we become wise in God's eyes. But that's not this gift. Well then, what is it? Well, the word of wisdom, if you want to write this down, is supernatural insight into the mind of God 
concerning people, places, things, really anything, having to do with the future. And that's what differentiates it. That's what makes it different from the word of knowledge. You know, you can only have knowledge. You can't have knowledge of tomorrow. Is that right? You can't have knowledge of tomorrow. But you can't have knowledge of things present or things past. That's why it's called the word of knowledge. But the word of wisdom has to do with the future. And this is why if any of these gifts would be the greatest gift, I believe it would be this one that we're talking about today. The word of wisdom. Because every single one of us, we are not going to make it to our God-ordained end if we don't get revelation of the mind and plan and purpose of God. Hallelujah. We have got to gain understanding about the future. Go to John's Gospel. John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. Hallelujah. Stay with me. We're doing good. Your grill will wait. My grill will be there when I get home. Hallelujah. It's raining anyway. You don't go out there. (laughs) All right. Look at John 16, verse 13. It says about the Holy Spirit. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come. Now we know He is come at this moment, right? He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. Now notice this last phrase. He will show you things to come. That's the future, isn't it? He will show you things to come. God does not want us to be constantly shocked and surprised by the events that take place in the world, things that take place in our nation, things that take place in our family. You know, Brother Hagin made this statement. He said, no member of my family, my extended family, has, has died except that I've known about it at least two years ahead of time. And he would make this statement. He said, now, some people say, I knew that because I'm a prophet. He said, no, I didn't know that because I'm a prophet. He said, I know that because I pray much in the Holy Spirit. You see, the person that prays much in the Holy Spirit is making themselves much available. And God will make that person to know things that would pertain to them. Right? Because He wants us to know. Praise God. And so that is what this gift is primarily for. It is when God chooses to reveal... His plan, His purpose, what's going to happen in the future, that is a word of wisdom. So let me just throw out some examples of how the word of wisdom is manifest. Really the entire last book of your Bible, called the book of Revelation, came through the gift of the word of wisdom. Now there's words of knowledge in there too, but just think about Revelation, you don't have to go there, but Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. These are all about the churches. Remember the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ and uh, had John pen seven letters to seven churches. Now John is on a remote rocky island with no wireless internet. There's no newspaper coming to him. 
updating him on current events. These churches are over in Asia Minor. And the word of knowledge kicks in and John is made to know everything God wanted him to know about what was going on right then, good and bad, in those present churches. How did he know it? He knew it by the gift of the word of knowledge. But then right on the heels of that, the Spirit of God, right, told him what to write about what was going to happen in the future to those churches if they stayed faithful or what would happen in judgment if they were unfaithful. They didn't get things turned around. Well, because that's a revelation of the mind, plan, purpose of God regarding the future, it's, right? Amen. Really, every scripture in your Bible concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ is a manifestation of the word of wisdom. Because it hadn't happened yet. You know, statistically speaking, this just blows my mind. Statistically speaking, one out of every three scriptures in your Bible uh, deals with the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is the most talked about subject in the Bible. He's coming back. Or the Bible's a lie. But it's not a lie. Hallelujah. Well, let me give you another example from the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 9, I believe. You could go read about Daniel had some of the most accurate uh, words of wisdom that were ever given and recorded in the Bible. Do you remember that he saw a vision one time? See, the word of wisdom could come through a vision. You could have a vision and see the future. But do you remember he saw a great statue and the head was a statue of gold, right? A head of gold. And then he had different materials. The arms were made out of, I don't know, a poly or whatever it was, silver. And then it had a breastplate of gold and going on down. He saw all that. And then he said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. Your kingdom, Babylon, the current kingdom. And then he said, what's coming next is the Medo-Persian kingdom, a dual kingdom represented by the arms. And he just he prophesied uh, the kingdom that would come after that would be the Greeks and Alexander the Great. And even gave him the battle plan and talked about the, the swiftness of his army and uh, the direction that he would come. And it came to pass. And then after the Greeks and history backed it all up, it all came to pass. But back then in Daniel chapter 9, it was the future. God showing him the rise and falls of kingdoms. Said the Romans would come on the heels of the Greeks. And then there would be a period of time, but then another revived Roman Empire would come. And that's future still. You see, that is a word of wisdom. Praise God. So you get a little bit of an idea. Uh, you could go to Matthew 24 if you like. Matthew 24. Really, all, almost all of Matthew 24 and 25 uh, were at that time Jesus operating in the word of wisdom. Do you remember the disciples asked him in Matthew 24, what will be the signs of your coming? Do you remember that? What will be the signs of your coming? Because remember they were taking a tour of Jerusalem. They were, uh, the disciples were pointing out the buildings and the impressiveness of the walls. And Jesus stopped them and said, listen boys, there's coming a day where there won't be one stone left upon another. There won't be one stone left upon another that will not be thrown down. That came to pass just a few years later in the Roman attack on the temple in 70 A.D. But Jesus told him it would happen, and it did happen. See, it came to pass. This is a manifestation of the word of wisdom. But then they also asked him not only about the signs that would lead to that, but the signs of the ends of the age. King James says the end of the world. The world's not going to end. The age is going to end. You look that up, it's the Greek word eon. Right? It means an age or a time frame. That's what's going to end. 
And, and you know, you remember in here, don't you, that he said uh, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines. There'll be uh, tribulation. There'll be earthquakes in different places. So, Ryan, he just, he prophesied. Paul talked about uh, what the end time culture would be like. In the last days, perilous times will come. See, these are all manifestations of the word of wisdom. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let me think about, oh, one of my favorites, of course, is Joseph had a word of wisdom as a teenager. You don't have to be an old guy or gal to have the word of wisdom. But just as a teenager, of course, he's the youngest of 11 others. And uh, he came up and said, hey, guys, I had a dream last night. You want to hear it? They go, yeah. He said, I, I saw all y'all bow down to me. And then I'll be ruling over you. And they hated him. They didn't like him anyway. But the Bible says that from that day they hated him, began to plot how they might do away with him. But you know what all came to pass? You know, there came a day where all 11 of those brothers bowed down before him. Came to pass. See, that's a word of wisdom. And Joseph just began to operate in this. Remember, they, uh, they called him up out of prison one day because the Pharaoh had had a dream that disturbed him. Nobody could interpret it. And that's when the baker, right? The baker or the butler, which one? Said, I remember a guy. And they pulled him up there. And he told him. He said, what you've seen is the future. You've seen that there's seven years of famine. Seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine going to come upon the land. And you know what all came to pass? They had seven years of abundance, followed by seven exact years of famine. What a gift. It's not soothsaying, it's, it's not uh, psychology, it's not reading horoscopes or any of that occultic demonic stuff. See, this is what Dr. Summerall was talking about. If we'll employ the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, we can defeat all the devil's counterfeits out there. You don't have to pay some lady to look at your palm. She's just fellowshipping with the devil anyway. Now let me say this to you about a word of wisdom. Because I've had this happen uh, with people in my church over the years. I was thinking about an instance where a lady came to me. It was after the fact of the event. But she came to me and said, Pastor, what had happened was is her family was out here on this uh, old New Highway 60 between Wycliffe and Cairo. That's kind of a precarious journey. Narrow road, dangerous shoulder. Well, they'd had a catastrophic car accident. Now, everybody lived, but there was injury and there was hurt. Well, she came to me after the fact of this accident and said, Pastor, I had a dream before the, two weeks before this happened. And I saw this accident, and it happened exactly. She said, now, why did he show me that? I, she thought, maybe he just, so I'd be ready for it. I'd be able to deal with it better. I said, no, sister, <laughs> that's not why he showed you. He showed you so you could change it. He showed you so that you could exercise your authority over that. It's Satan is the one that steals, kills, and destroys and stop that event. You ever have a dream like that again? Now you know what to do. Here's what I wanted to show you about the word of wisdom. Not everything God shows you about the future is certain. You have to be discerning. Sometimes he'll show you something about the future so that you'll change it. 
Listen to me now. This is probably the most, maybe an important part of this service here. You need to understand that. Now, some things like Jesus coming back, that's certain. You can't change that. It's going to come to pass. Nobody was changing those kingdoms. They were all coming the way Daniel saw them come. And they all came just like that. You're not changing that. But uh, let me give you a biblical, biblical example of how a prophet prophesied a word from God that was accurate, but it didn't come to pass. Can you think of one? Well, one of them was King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah had gotten sick and gotten near death. And the prophet Isaiah was instructed of the Lord to go in and tell him to give him the mind of God about the future. And the prophet Isaiah came into his bedchamber and said, King Hezekiah, the Lord says, thus saith the Holy Ghost, get your affairs in order, for you will surely die. You will not live. And they left. Well, see, that's a word of wisdom. It hadn't happened yet, but he told him what's coming. You're going to die. Get your affairs in order. You're not going to live. Well, Isaiah's out in the courtyard. Hezekiah changed it. He had gotten out of the will of God. He had committed some acts of wrongdoing. The Bible says Hezekiah, immediately after the prophet left, turned his face to the wall and cried out to God in sincere tears and repented of his wrongdoing and pled his case before God and said, God, I have, repent, I have done wrong, but I have repented to you. But I want to remind you of how I've walked before you rightly in the past. Now Hezekiah, he's not hearing that, but he's out in the courtyard and God says, go back in there, I have a new word for you. Go in and tell him that I've heard his prayer and I'm adding to his life 15 more years. So do you see, sometimes a word of wisdom will kick in and it'll show you something about the future, but in that case he's saying, under these conditions, under these conditions, this is what's going to happen. But see, Hezekiah changed the conditions, so he got another word. You know, very often as a pastor, uh, when one of my members was going to die, he would tell me. He would tell me that they're going to die. Or a lesser to a lesser degree, he would say, uh, they're going to be leaving the church. They'll be leaving the church. And, uh, but even though I come into that kind of knowledge, I don't assume that it has to be that way because I heard that. I'm going to assume, unless he tells me otherwise, that I can change it through my prayer or they can change it if they get things turned around their thinking. You know, God only took two people in the Bible. And he took them, spirit, soul, and body, without sickness and disease. So if you ever know anybody, they died in a bad way, right? Wasn't a good way. In sickness, disease, tragedy, pain, whatever that was, God didn't take your loved one. He received them into heaven, but he certainly didn't take them. We only have two examples of him taking people in the Bible. That's Elijah and uh, Enoch. And he, heaven just swallowed them. A chariot came and got them. That's how God takes people. When, he, when the rapture happens, He's not going to make us sick and cause us to die. No, in a moment, He's going to take us. That's how God does it. Amen. But when people are going down, 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 listen, oftentimes it's, it's a matter of under these conditions. If things keep going this direction, this will be the outcome. But you know, sometimes mamas, daddies, spiritual beings, we can change things. 
We can turn things, Philippians 1.19, through, through our prayer and through the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I mean, until God tells me it's over, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to pray, 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 pray. Amen. Do everything I can to get that turned around. But you know, sometimes, nothing I do, only that person is going to be able to turn it. Only that person is going to be able to turn it. And if they won't listen, if they won't hear, if they won't respond to the power of God, listen, friend, you may love them. They may be your honey, your sweetie, your mama, your daddy, your little Johnny. They're going to go home. Y'all listening to the pastor? I don't know how come I got off on this, but it'll help you. You don't just think about, uh, uh, God reminded me of a loved one I've been praying for. And he reminded me, he said, son, because they had a recent deal or whatever, and he said, son, listen, remember those years ago, about four or five years ago, same thing happened. But you were there, you assisted, you prayed, I honored that, healed them. Yes, sir, thank you. He said, they had not done anything about it since then. They hadn't read anything. They, they hadn't picked up the books you gave them. They haven't done anything about developing their faith to be healed. You just need to remember that. See, as much as I want things to, be go, to go well, for, I can't make people listen. I can't make people be hungry. I can't make people feed their faith. I can't make people come to church or keep their pants on. And it doesn't matter how, how much I love them. Listen, I can't do everything for everybody. And it's just a, a wonderful place for you to get to. You just need to decide, make a decision in these last days. No matter what others do, no matter what happens to any other human being in my life, I'm going to keep going on with God. I'm just going to keep on going on with God. If that's all you can do, isn't that right? I'm going to keep loving Jesus, keep praying for people. Right? But I, I can't, I'm not going to get everything turned for people. But I'm going to try. I'm sure going to try. Because isn't that what love would do? I know Pastor Nancy said about her daddy uh, that she, her prayers and faith kept him on the earth three and a half additional years. But see, eventually, you can only operate on someone else's faith credit for so long. You've got to pay your bill. It would just behoove you to get started developing your faith for the big things. Divine protection, health, right? Provision. Amen. But oh, thank God for the word of wisdom. You know, the word of wisdom, uh, when you, uh, Paul got in trouble on the ship, right? Now, that, that ship owner and all that cargo and all those, they didn't have to go through all that. Because Paul knew before they set sail, it was going to go bad. He didn't have a vision. It's Acts 27. He didn't have a vision. There wasn't a thus saith the Lord. The Bible says he perceived Sometimes these gifts can come so subtly. You're just, you know, you, some of you, you know, I, I, made, I just know something I didn't know before. How did I know that? Well, God helped me to know it. It didn't come very spectacularly, but I'm, I know it. Well, you better learn to pay attention. Right? Because you can't know that and then violate it and say, oh, I believe in Psalm 91 and go on. Get on that airplane. You're going to go down. You just may have a little something come up and say, have another cup of coffee. Stay here 10 more minutes. Well, you don't know what's connected to that, but you better just obey it. The next Billy Graham may walk in, you might leave him to the Lord. Who knows? He's not going to tell you everything. Our job is to respond in faith by looking and being, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're sensitive. 
Amen. Well, Paul just perceived it. He just perceived on the inside of him. Oh, this ship is... Now, he didn't have a choice. He's a prisoner. He didn't get to choose, but he told everybody, right? But they believed the expert. They checked the weatherman. They checked the ship's navigator. Everything in the natural said, we're good to go. Well, you can go by the natural, you can go by the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And they set sail. Amen. And they all got in trouble in a bad storm. But then God sent an angel down there and told Paul, I'm giving, you're, you're going to be spared and I'm giving you everyone on this ship. Everyone who sails, that'll preach, won't it? I'm giving you everyone that sails with you. Man, I tell you, it's good to be rightly connected to a man of God. He said, there won't be any life lost except that of the cargo in the ship, but you've got to stay with the ship. And it was over 270 souls on board, no life lost. It all came to pass. Just as Paul said, and an angel came and gave him that message. That interesting. Could an angel come in 2019 give you a message about the future? Sure could. But you just better judge it by the Word, by the witness of the Spirit. Amen. Praise God. I just have it in my heart I should stop here. There's so much more you could say. And maybe we'll come back. We have a few other things to do, and I don't want to keep you unduly. Praise God. Uh,